The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. It's nine after 10 o'clock. Welcome to the second hour of The Talking Point. We continue leading uh, the conversation right here on SAFM. A big thank you to all of you who contributed to the open line. It's always great having a diversity of views and perspectives, and it really, I believe, enriches our conversations uh, so much more. So thank you all for taking the time uh, to get in touch. Coming up in this hour, we, of course, are going to um, change gears and look at the other side, the other side being what we're expecting uh, to unfold at the international um, at the ICJ today uh, in terms of Israel's argument in defense of its actions following um, what South Africa said yesterday. So that's the that's going to be the focus of our conversation uh, with various legal experts that uh, we have lined up for this hour. Before we get into that, lots of WhatsApp voice notes and text messages that you've sent through. We'll take uh, some of those and then get into our experts. Good morning, Kathy. You know, these people who call and they want to make themselves as if they are messiahs or they are better. And they raise an issue of why are we focusing on Gaza and not focusing on children that are suffering? Yeah. It's the same reason why the Russians focused on helping us be liberated. Same reason why the Cubans helped us to be liberated. They use their money, they use their resources to get us liberated. So people must not come here and behave as if they are better. They are holy cows and uh, they care more about the children in Eastern Cape or children in South Africa. Uh, the reality is that children in Pakistan need the same help that we're given when we're under apartheid. Uh, Sandy, my brother, let me school you. The freedom or the uh, freedom of speech where you can actually phone on the radio and uh, discredit what Hamas has done in, in Palestine versus Israel. You are actually saying that APLA and MK, those forces that were formed, you agree with the um, regime of the past that said they were terrorists. You agree with them. Uh, but I'm thinking that for you to express yourself on SAFM today, would you have that right if um, MK and, 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 and APLA didn't do what they've done to the regime of the, of, 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 uh, of the past, those were oppressing me and you? Yeah, Sis Kathy, Sis Kathy, good morning. Good morning to my fellow South Africans. Yeah, no. Yesterday and even now, I'm a very proud South African to have watched and uh, witnessed our heroes going to fight for justice uh, for the people of Palestine. I'm very proud and kudos to them. Uh, I just wish again, our government can take the same stance for, for us here at home, to fight corruption. The people who were, who, are, who were spoken of at state capture, they can all be brought to book the same energy, same everything. We need to take it to state capture now. I'm very proud, very, very proud, and kudos to them. Can't wait to to, to watch what the Israeli government has, has to say for themselves. John and Bluefontaine. Good morning, Kathy. I have to agree with you. South Africa was the talk of the international community yesterday. 
And yes, they have stood up for justice. But you know what? When someone's fighting a terrorist organization that doesn't have a face or whatever it is, very difficult to defend yourself. But what I want to say is that South Africa is now the talk of the international community. It's about time the ANC and the South African government sorted out the deaths and the rapes and the crimes and the injustices and the corruption and everything that is happening in our own country. Because it's easy for them to talk internationally, but it's very, very hard, it seems, for them to do anything locally. Good morning, Sean from Centurion. Yeah, I think what's happening in The Hague is going to have an impact on our history and the world's history forever. It could be positive, could be negative. But the one thing I've learned in life is you always got to ask yourself why. Why have we chosen to go out and do that? Um, we won't know until it runs its course, but I just hope it's for the right reasons. You cannot expect Israel to just sit back and wait for the next attack. In the same breath, you cannot expect uh, the Palestinians to just be slaughtered. Um, so it's a difficult situation. But I do think there's deeper things at play here. Anyway, have a fantastic morning. Morning, Kathy. Your caller, Joseph, I think he spoke and made some very good points. I think we should take some of the points and and look forward the next time we as a country do something very very good points and i really really i'm encouraged uh, you know the thinking that comes from him thank you kathy for the good show god bless you bye bye it's daniel devon bye good morning kathy matabu kathy i don't think joseph has a point um joseph just want to be on the news or on the radio raising issues that are unnecessary i mean currently what we are talking about is that south africa has tried to intervene and then let us just forget about where what should have happened when the fact of the matter is that in uh, palestine there is chaos and that chaos must come to an end it must stop now and that is exactly what south africa is doing many people are appreciating that including myself because currently we could see that South Africa was well prepared to deal with the matter at hand. So Joseph uh, must just uh, stop raising issues to, to be someone in the limelight. Thank you. All right. Those are the voice notes that you've been sending through to the show this hour. So coming up then, we'll be taking a look at what we can expect on day two of these public hearings in The Hague, uh, where Israel is expected to state its case in response to the arguments made by South Africa. Later on this hour, we'll hear from Jonathan Turner, Chief Executive of UK Lawyers for Israel, Chamika We. Wijasundara, who is an attorney at law and senior law lecturer at Wits Law School, and Professor Kathy Powell, who is a professor of international relations at UCT. Before we do that, however, important for us just to recap what unfolded yesterday in terms of the legal arguments that were presented. Sadly, the world has not succeeded in stopping the genocide that is currently unfolding in Gaza. South Africa accused Israel of genociding Gaza and demanded on Thursday that the UN's top court order an emergency suspension of its devastating military campaign. On the first of two days of hearings at the International Court of Justice in The Hague, 
South African advocates argued Israel's offensive aimed to bring about the destruction of the population of Gaza. Israel's 75-year apartheid. They pointed to three months of Israeli bombardment that has killed more than 23,000 people in the Palestinian enclave and made most Gazans homeless. An Israeli blockade on supplies of food, fuel and medicine has also created what the United Nations describes as a humanitarian catastrophe. Supporters of both the Palestinians and Israel protested outside the court, kept apart by police. I expect uh, the judges uh, to to, uh, order by law, right, and to call it what it is. It's a genocide against civilians in, in Gaza. If anybody did a genocide, then it's Hamas. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said hypocrisy and lies were presented to the court and that Israel was fighting, quote, murderous terrorists who carried out crimes against humanity. Hamas, which rules Gaza, launched a cross-border attack on Israel on October 7th. Israel says its militants killed 1,200 people and took 240 hostages. South African advocates told the court that didn't justify what they said was Israel's breaching of the UN's genocide convention. This was Adila Hassim. The suffering of the Palestinian people, physical and mental, is undeniable. Turning to the third genocidal act under Article 2C, Israel has deliberately imposed conditions on Gaza that cannot sustain life and are calculated to bring about its physical destruction. The preliminary hearings this week will consider whether the court should order Israel to stop fighting while it investigates the full merits of the case. The latter could take years. The case reveals stark international polarization over Gaza. Several Western countries joined Washington in calling genocide accusations against Israel unjustified, not least given the ruthlessness of the Hamas attack. All right, so we'll continue then with those proceedings today. Before we get into our legal experts, let me invite Tsidi Sitai, founder and managing director at Mutla Communications. Tsidi, good morning. Thanks for your time this morning. Firstly, let's talk about the international or global response that there has been to this story and how at least you see it, particularly within a South African context and how ordinary South Africans view this moment. Good morning, Kathy, and good morning to your viewers, uh, to your listeners. Sorry, by the way, you're not on Newsroom Africa anymore, uh, to your listeners. So um, this is a history-altering moment. Um, You saw on social media the euphoria that was there at the the Nelson Mandela Square in, in Ramallah where Palestinians were thanking South Africa, singing the national anthem, and across all media, international platforms, South Africa got good coverage, uh, and the brand South Africa was premium um, yesterday. But sadly, that was not felt domestically. And I feel that the government of the Republic um, has failed to take South Africans along on this history altering moment. Um, I mean, issues of of geopolitics, issues of foreign policy, issues of international relations, um, you know, are are very difficult by, by their nature. And, you know, 
no ordinary South Africans can be able to relate to what that means. I mean, I, I consider myself a middle to upper LSM. And I had to read up and understand what the issues are. But our government, who understands that majority of our people that they need to carry with um, and, and leaving no one behind as their, their sloganeering, um, have failed in, in that because we are a country of of, of, of International, that believes in international peace, social justice, uh, inclusive multi multilateralism. But a South African who battles with, with basic services that needs to be met um, by our government will not understand why is South Africa taking significance in representing um, the Palestinians at the ICJ uh, as opposed to charity beginning at home. We have a country of South Africans that are majority Christians and who believe in the conviction of the Bible. And the, we've, we've seen and heard opposition throwing stance of, of anti-Semitism. So it will be important for the government of the Republic to make my grandmother who believes in the history of Israel as captured in the Bible to understand why is South Africa taking the case of the Palestinian people to the thingy, to the ICJ. Um, and also from an ANC perspective also, it is one signaling moment that says that returning to the old ANC where revolutionary morality, idealism, um, and their commitment and courage to confront um, ANC's current uh, integrity and, and moral deficit um, in, in, in taking up this matter because they are a ruling party. And also um, taking this opportunity of telling a, a truly good story of continuing the legacy of Nelson Mandela, of a pro-Palestine, uh, which believes in, you know, uh, Palestine being free from the river to the sea. So, um, you know, it, it, from a South African perspective, I, I don't feel that our government took us along. And I'm, I'm saying GCIS, uh, Department of Justice, um, Department of, of DEPCO is not all lost because we have missed the pro build up towards the representations yesterday. We still had the two weeks of, of you know, deliberations to the to the to the to the finality of, of this matter. So we need to they need to take South Africans along um, on on dialogue platforms, public educate um, on community radio stations. I mean, we have a Minister of International Relations in, in Minister Pando, who is very fluent in, 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 in Setswana. You can you know, syndicate community radio stations and let her explain in basic terms and let the Department of, of, of DERCO and GCIS take the 84-page uh, submission, package it in, into simpler messages that can be able to be understood by ordinary South Africans. Because right now, the conversation is on, on social media. It's, it's very intellectualized uh, from LSM 7 to 10. Um, and the rest of, of, of the community is left behind. Mm -hmm. I mean, no. 
Yes. All right. All right. Sidi, we're going to have to leave it there with you uh, for now, but certainly an important point um, to take into account as we uh, continue with what is going to still be a very complex case uh, that South Africa is pursuing against Israel. Jonathan Turner, let me come to you and give you an opportunity then um, to reflect on the case day one of South Africa's submissions yesterday. Good morning. Uh, Good morning, and thank you very much for inviting me onto your programme. And uh, I've listened with interest to some of the comments from the public and also to uh, Chidi's uh, interesting uh, comments just now. Um, So um, yesterday, uh, South Africa presented its uh, case orally, uh, but uh, it was uh, largely based uh, on the written uh, submission that they have um, already uh, filed um, in the International Court of Justice. Uh, and today, um, Israel will be presenting its case uh, orally. Um, since um, the case was uh, only filed um, uh, within the last uh, two weeks, uh, Israel has not uh, had um, uh, the opportunity or, or requirement um, to file a written submission. Um, so we, we haven't as yet um, heard um, or, or seen Israel's case at, at all. Um, but it's uh, quite clear from uh, what we've seen in South Africans' case um, that uh, there are fundamental problems with it. Um, genocide is um, quite clearly defined in uh, the Genocide Convention of 1948. Um, it um, uh, consists of committing Uh, various specified acts, which I can come to in a moment. But the key point is they have to be committed with the specific intent of destroying a national, ethnic, racial or religious group as such, in whole or in part. Um, And um, it's very clear and has been repeatedly stated by um, Israeli leaders and it's um, uh, those who are in the chain of command uh, who count Um, It's been repeatedly stated by them that the aim of the operation is to destroy Hamas as a governing organization and as a military organization in the Gaza Strip. Um, And uh, uh, that is uh, entirely justified uh, because of the uh, appalling attack um, and uh, appalling uh, crimes by Hamas against uh, Israeli civilians on the 7th of October, in which they murdered every civilian they could find, um, uh, apart from those that they um, seized um, for um, um, uh, kidnapping uh, and to hold as hostages. Uh, they raped uh, um, many women um, and um, they tortured people and they burnt babies. Um, and uh, they have threatened to do this again and again. Their leaders have said uh, that it was just a rehearsal, um, that um, um, uh, they will do it again and again until Israel is annihilated. Uh, And and even um, they they have said in the past that we must attack every Jew on the planet, every Jew on the planet, just not just um, in Israel, but all around the world, slaughter and kill. Um, So this is what Israel is facing. Um, And... um, if um, uh, Hamas is allowed to continue, uh, these um, uh, attacks will be um, even worse next time. I remember when Hamas started sending uh, rockets at um, uh, local Israeli uh, towns, uh, and um, people said these are just homemade rockets, they um, are not very damaging, Uh, Israel is overreacting, but they've 
got bigger and worse and 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 now um we're in in this um situation so it, israel has a legitimate objective of destroying hamas and hamas is not a um national ethnic racial or religious group it is a terrorist organization uh, and it is entirely legitimate for israel to be aiming at destroying hamas um and and that is not genocide um and um, although uh, south africa has tried to make a case from quotations um of um uh israeli leaders those quotations are very much taken out of context and misrepresented when israelis uh israeli leaders have talked about um destroying um uh, the, those who launched the attack um they and, and uh, they they've uh, referred to amalek a character in the bible uh who uh, where, where the bible said that amalek must be destroyed um but that's been um very much coupled in the um statements of um israeli leaders um uh, with uh, reference to hamas specifically uh, that hamas must be destroyed as amalek was destroyed um so it's a, a um a, a determination to destroy hamas the terrorist group in order to defend um All right. is the israeli people and uh, the jewish people around the world All right. not um Jonathan, I'm going to ask you to pause it there. We'll continue the conversation in a moment. Joining it will also be um, Chamika Wijasundara, who is an attorney at law and senior law lecturer at Wits Law School, and Professor Kathy Powell, who is a professor of international relations at UCT. Jonathan Turner is chief executive of UK Lawyers for Israel. It's 10.30. Time for your latest news. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation on the Talking Point. We're looking at day two of the public hearings at the ICJ with Israel expected to um, make its case. So, Jonathan, before we went to break, you basically were outlining um, what is likely going to be Israel's position, at least based on what they have said um, publicly before, because they haven't yet uh, made their official submissions. And really... um, what is likely to be a case of um, self in, uh, of, of self defense, but also arguing against uh, this allegation that what is happening um, to Palestinians in Gaza is in fact genocidal. Now there are of course a couple of hurdles that um, the representatives of the Israeli government are going to have to uh, try and get over, which is really then contextualizing the acts of violence that have been targeted at Palestinians and how that has impacted the daily lives of Palestinians? Um, So um, Israel targets military objectives, terrorist objectives, uh, but unfortunately when those terrorists um, are um, operating um, in, around, and underneath uh, civilians and civilian buildings, it is um, impossible to um, uh, address them, to uh, attack them and, and destroy the terrorists um, without there being civilian casualties. Um, it is um, 
um, always the case that when uh, dealing with um, a military operation in um, a urban area, and particularly a dense urban area uh, such as those um, in the Gaza Strip, it is, uh, it, it, uh, the, the casualty rate of civilians is unfortunately uh, high. Worldwide, in 2021, um, the United Nations did a survey and found that the uh, ratio of civilians to combatants killed was 8 to 1, 8 civilians for every combatant. Uh, now, in the Gaza Strip, the, in this operation, um, the uh, Israeli Defense Forces um, estimate that um, the ratio is two to one, two civilians uh, for each terrorist. And each civilian death is a tragedy, um, but um, that is a better ratio sure. um, than in other urban conflicts around the world, Jonathan, according to the UN survey. Do, do, do you expect that Israel is going to be um, be able to present evidence that substantiates the argument that you're making that, you know, in order to say that there's a two to one ratio, you then have to show um, where these numbers are coming from. Uh, what are you what are you working off here? Uh, that's going to be part of what Israel will have to do today. Yes. So um, my, my understanding is that uh, Israel obviously gets reports from its troops as to um, uh, someone was firing at them and they shot them and they were um, uh, they went down. Um, so, so you get uh, you, you have those numbers. Uh, and also Israel gets reports from uh, Palestinians uh, about uh, uh, what they've seen uh, has happened. Um, but I don't know exactly how they've arrived at those estimates. What I do mm. know is that... Um, Analyses have been done uh, of previous um, Israeli operations in the Gaza Strip um, after the event when the terrorist organizations have um, announced their martyrs, the people who um, died in the course of combat, whom they wish to glorify. Uh, and when this has been done, um, it's been interesting to note that the, uh, about half of the casualties um, have been found to be um, terrorists that have been um, endorsed as such um, by um, the terrorist organisations themselves All right. in order to uh, um, publicise um, their uh, contribution, as they see it, um, to to their homeland, as they see it. All right. Um, so, um, uh, now this operation is more difficult um, than uh, the past ones um, because it's more comprehensive and Hamas has built this much more extensive uh, tunnel structure in, in, in the meanwhile, um, which makes it an incredibly difficult operation for the uh, IDF, for the Israel Defence Forces. Um, so I'm not surprised that the um, casualty rate is not as good as it was, or not. It's um, I, 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 I don't like using that in that way, but um, it, uh, the, the casualty rate is worse than um, in those previous operations, but still a lot better. Um, than uh, the average worldwide um, mm. from uh, uh, the information that um, um, the Israeli army is, yeah. is putting out. Look, look, Jonathan, I, I will agree with you, you know, um, in terms of the uh, the unfortunate use of it being better because there can never be a situation where the loss of close on 30,000 life is is better um it just is is a terrible situation i think just of 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 yeah that that people have to go through um chamika let me bring you in here and, and let's talk about then um legally 
what Israel is going to have to do in its case today, responding to the arguments that South Africa has made. Um, thank you, Kathy, and greetings to you and your listeners. Um, as a starting point, I think it would be useful to reflect on the legal arguments that South Africa put um, to to the court yesterday. And core underpinning the argument is a fundamental moral claim. Each person's uh, right to life and people's right to existence. And I think what's really important is to pay attention to the fact that South Africa very specifically in making the case um, in terms of the Genocide Convention systematically worked through the requirements in terms of that definition and why, based on the evidence that it drew, um, the acts or conduct of Israel um, can be seen to form a calculated pattern um, indicating genocidal intent. Remembering, again, that as a request for provisional measures is intended to kind of cease the harm, the irreparable harm that could potentially occur, um, what we're looking to is to establish is that it's plausible that there's been a breach or violations on Israel's part of the Genocide Convention. So with that in said, get that said, and I think that's important context, um, South Africa's arguments expressly that um, self-defense is not relevant to the matter before the court on the basis that genocide is never justifiable. So it would be, I think, remiss on the court and remiss on us to kind of ignore the actual arguments being made and the arguments around the urgency based on the scale, severity, and speed of um, the death of peoples, of Palestinian peoples, on the basis of an argument um, of self-defense. And particularly, this is also was raised in South Africa's argument, the tendency to conflate um, Hamas and the appropriate measures to intervene with and deal with Hamas and the people of Palestine. So there is what seems at times a convenient conflation um, and or disregard for the lives of human beings. And I think part of, of the argument that's been made that makes self-defense um, a difficult argument to entertain in this context, uh, before we get to the merits, so that's not to disregard uh, the recognition of the rights of self-defense in international law, but recognize that that's potentially a defense, even if it does become a defense at the, at the stage of merits. But on the very basis of the accusations or the plausibility that we have a genocide unfolding, the need for the international court to actually reflect on that and what it means um, to the civilian population that is under occupation. So also in terms of a, a very specific context. context. So in the words of South Africa um, yesterday, genocide is never justifiable. Um, and self-defense becomes irrelevant. So even questions, and, and South Africa explicitly seems to have apprehended this, even questions of proportionality which are relevant, um, you know, which we still wouldn't want to be reduced to a numbers game, ultimately when we're talking about human life and the life of an existence of the people. And particularly in a context where we're reflecting on, uh, according to South Africa's arguments, the killing of civilians, but also the destruction of an entire kind of civil infrastructure um, the prohibition on humanitarian aid, uh, which means that those already injured uh, could potentially continue to suffer, but also that other preventable deaths could come in through the door. So we're dealing with a very particular immediate issue. Yes, it has a long-standing context. Yes, there are various moving pieces. But South Africa did a very kind of clear and concise job of articulating the legal argument in terms of the Genocide Convention um, and essentially the duty on the international community to step in 
and to recognize that it, there's, there's cause for pause sure. and halt. Uh, Professor Powell, let me bring you in here. When we look again at um, what uh, Chamika has has touched on here, which is a an argument of of, of self defence, which Israel has has long sustained, from an international law point of view, is there a point at which the targeting of Hamas? at the cost of civilian lives. Is there a point at which then it goes too far? And I wonder what some of those what some of those boundaries might be. Again, thinking about the perspective that, that Israel could well take in, in, in defense of, of its own actions when it addresses the court today. Well, thank you. That, that Those are a lot of very good questions. Uh, let me... Uh, take them one at a time and firstly emphasize and and Shamika was doing the same thing that we're looking at actually three different areas of law. One is whether Israel has the right to use force at all. Secondly whether it's using force lawfully once it starts and then thirdly whether it's committing genocide which is a completely different question and as Shamika pointed out that has no relation to self-defense and self-defense can't be a justification for it. Um, The One of the benefits, I think, of the fact that this is now before a court of law is that the various facts have to be established by the parties. So the stats that Jonathan was mentioning of, you know, that the civilian to uh, military casualties are only two to one. I mean, those are not the stats I've seen. So it will be useful to have those kinds of things now proven with evidence before a court. But as Shamika points out, it's also a bit of a red herring. Um, Genocide... We need to know what's specific about it. Is it accompanied by an intent to destroy in whole or in part a group, a group defined as a national, religious, religious, ethnical or racial group? Now, once you've got evidence of that intent, you've moved out of self-defense anyway, unless Israel wants to argue that the only way it can defend itself as a state is by wiping out all of Gaza. And I don't think that's an argument that any court of law is going to buy. And it's not the argument that Israel's bringing. It's talking self-defense. But self-defense, when the rhetoric, when the intention that that is expressed by the Israeli government and by Israeli soldiers is kill everybody, Those those don't fit. Then we're talking genocide, and once we're talking genocide, no, there, there's no, there is no justification at all. So I think Israel's options today um, would be to try uh, question the legitimacy of some of the evidence that South Africa has brought, which is difficult, especially when it gets to the genocidal intent, because it was being broadcast outside, well, mainly within Israel, and then otherwise say that these. Uh, this conduct and these statements don't quite cross the the boundary into genocide. Mm. Um, that is difficult for provisional measures because for provisional measures, all you need is a plausible risk. I, and I, I think we've yeah. got that. I want to go back to what Jonathan said, which is that Hamas has been using Palestinians as human shields, again, very much aligned to what the Israeli government itself has said. And therefore, the people who then die or or suffer from the conflict are deemed as casualties then of, of this war. How does the law 
Professor Powell then distinguish between, again, where where does where do Palestinian civilians begin and end, and where does Hamas begin and end in the context of what the city um, looks like today? So so mm-hmm. what will what is the court going to need to do? Because they, in as much as there is a distinction. Um, legally and in conversation between Palestinians and Hamas when it comes to then the targeting uh, of of infrastructure. There doesn't seem to be that distinction because I'm bombing this building because Hamas is in it. But then you have a thousand people that are dying. But I say I'm targeting Hamas. So how is the court going to then navigate that? Well, it doesn't need to uh, in the same way that it would need to in a war crimes trial. In a war crimes trial, it's going to have to ask for specifics from the attacker on exactly what military advantage was anticipated, and then to do a proportionality analysis, whether that military advantage justifies the amount of civilian damage. And There is a presumption of uh, civilian status in international humanitarian law. So merely living above a tunnel does not strip any of the civilians of Gaza of their civilian status. Um, the The only point at which civilians would lose their civilian status is as if they directly participate in hostilities. Now, when you're wiping out entire uh, suburbs, you you can't argue that of the civilians. But again, that's a red herring because that's a war crimes inquiry. Um, What we're looking for for a genocide inquiry is have living conditions been made impossible for this group? Have um, members of the group been killed? Have members of the group been badly injured? Um, Have births been rendered uh, have that been uh, obstructed within the group, and has this all been accompanied by genocidal intent? Then you don't actually need to worry so much about civilian status. What you're looking at is the attempt to destroy a group. All right. Uh, thanks for that, uh, Professor Powell. When we continue, we'll hear from Jonathan and you know how he also um, responds to part of what has come out in this conversation. We'll take a quick break. I'm back with Jonathan uh, Shamika and Professor Powell after this. Hashtag SAFM Talking Point. All right, we continue the conversation on the talking point. We're looking at day two of the ICJ hearings and what are likely to be some of the arguments made by Israel. Uh, and of course, this is based on the position that they've taken uh, previously. They have not yet filed uh, the official submissions, as was highlighted by uh, Jonathan earlier. So, Jonathan, I want to come back to you and perhaps give you an opportunity to respond to um, this very question, a-, a separation between Hamas and civilians in in Palestine and the extent to which um, Israel actually sees um, that distinction or has it become conflated? Is it all in one now? Um, Well, every Israeli strike, um, except perhaps uh, those where uh, there has to be an immediate reaction, is carefully considered. Um, by uh, a, a team of people that includes uh, a lawyer who actually sits out of the chain of command um, to um, check whether, um, as um, uh, Professor uh, Powell has um, uh, just uh, reiterated, the proportionality assessment of whether the um, uh, military uh, objective um, uh, 
um, is um, uh, justifies um, the, the um, anticipated level of civilian casualties or whether it's uh, uh, the civilian casualties are disproportionate to the anticipated military uh, advantage to be gained. Um, and it, it is, I, I would like to cite another statistic, if I may. Um, going back a couple of weeks, I don't have the exact up-to-date figures, but a couple of weeks ago, it was reported that 29,000 bombs had been dropped by uh, Israel on targets, uh, military targets, in the Gaza Strip. But the, ca the casualties, total casualties, as reported by the Hamas-controlled Ministry of Health in Gaza, were then about 20,000. So um, for, for each Israeli bomb that had been dropped, um, less than one civilian had been killed. Now, if Israel were trying to destroy the um, total Palestinian population of the Gaza Strip, that's an incredibly um, unsuccessful operation. Uh, and, and I think, um, I'll put it another way, that shows the uh, success of Israeli efforts to get civilians out of uh, harm's way um, in order to strike at their military targets. Um, it's not a complete success, of course, um, but um, uh, it does show, um, indicate that very considerable efforts were made uh, and that um, this wasn't an attempt to destroy um, the population generally. Um, if Israel wanted to, um, it could have destroyed mm. most of the population of Gaza by now. And, uh, but obviously yeah. that is the opposite of Israel's objective. And, um, and, and and Jonathan, yeah. I, I suppose on the one hand, it's not just about the use of weaponry, right? Um, South Africa, in its case, also highlighting um, the impact on on lives and the 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 way in which Palestinians have been dis deprived of uh, some of their basic needs: food, water, um, healthcare, infrastructure. We had that window of a of a humanitarian a corridor that had been opened, but that came to an end. We have a large scale of, of children, um, numbers rather of children that, that have been killed. So, so how then does that, again, when we go back to genocidal intent, how do you believe that that does not constitute a genocidal intent? Um, well, so far as uh, humanitarian aid is concerned, that is being uh, allowed into Gaza at the moment. Uh, and according to um, the Israeli authorities, uh, they are clearing for entry. They do have to check it to ensure that um, uh, military things are not being um, smuggled in. Um, but uh, they are actually uh, checking and able to check more than uh, the UN um, distributing uh, the aid is able to handle within the Gaza Strip and that the holdup um, is actually the um, within the Gaza Strip, which is partly uh, the unfortunate um, uh, dislocation that's uh, an inevitable result of uh, the military conflict uh, taking place um, uh, within the Gaza Strip, but also because uh, Hamas um, is uh, seizing uh, the aid where it can um, and either using it for um, its own purposes to um, uh, um, uh, um, provide to its own, uh, to the Hamas people, um, or to resell it um, at an elevated price to the population, uh, to the civilian population. Um, so um, the, the, the main problem at the moment um, is, uh, at least according to the Israeli authorities, a problem of distribution within the Gaza Strip. 
Um, and um, I, I, I would hope that efforts are being made to um, improve on that. Uh, there have been uh, airdrops of aid uh, that have been taking place as well, um, which um, uh, may, may be helpful. Um, and um, it, it doesn't appear to have been uh, attenuated yet. Um, uh, people dying from starvation in the Gaza Strip. It's not like some other conflicts that have occurred around the world where um, you, you, you can see that uh, there's been uh, wholesale um, mass casualties from starvation. That at least hasn't happened as yet, and we very much hope that it uh, uh, won't happen because um, uh, that, that, that's not um, Israel's uh, objective. Um, and um, it's, it's something um, that, that we will very much wish to um, avoid. Um, yeah. Uh, so, um, uh, but on the other hand, Israel does want to ensure that uh, supplies don't reach Hamas as a military organization, uh, particularly um, things that will be used for the purpose of fighting. All right. So, um, um, electricity is a real problem because that's very much used to ventilate those tunnels to enable Hamas to operate in them uh, and also to fire the rockets to um, bring the, to, to launch the rockets um, off the ground. They're, they're stored in the tunnels underneath and they, they're put up on, onto ground when they want to fire them um, at the Israeli civilians. Um, that, that, and that's done using electricity. So, so Israel tries to sure. stop that happening. All right, all right, Jonathan. Uh, Shamika, let me come back to you and perhaps ask you this question. Um, to what extent is this position of Israel as a victim here that is simply trying to defend itself and is hamstrung by some of the conditions it's facing on the ground? Um, and, you know, is yes, you, you have the killings that have taken place, but it, it says that it has not intended... Um, you know, for for the scale to be what they are, it's just simply because of needing to, again, defend itself. To what extent do you believe that um, that argument in court um, is is, is going to be sufficient, especially then if we take it in the context of what South Africa has already set out? Sydney, you were asking. Hey, I'm asking Shamika. So, sorry, Jonathan. I'm asking Shamika. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, no problem. Shamika. Uh, thank you. Um, I think I think there are potentially two layers uh, to this, Kathy. The first is, I mean, broadly, attention to the consistency or inconsistency of the argument, um, even when self-defense is invoked, even if we were to entertain it, despite um, I think a compelling argument that it's not relevant, especially to the case at hand. Um, but the first is. The, the actual conduct, so the patterns of conduct that goes beyond acts of military strikes, but also causes harm in more general senses, the kind of um, prevention of military aid, the ability to prevent military aid on the, on the basis of, of the, the occupation itself. So that's the conduct itself from which um, genocidal intent inference can be drawn. But in it, so within that, the argument that we happen to go through tens of thousands of civilians is justifiable, is arguably contentious, if not deeply problematic on its own. But the second question of actual expressed intent, which at times, um, as South Africa in its case yesterday preempted, um, you know, it's argued that it's read out of context or um, misunderstood. However, the kind of 
vary um, the range from high-ranking officials to members of the public to members of the Defense Force, actual video footage of some of this material that um, specifically conflates and or rather targets the entire Palestinian population, going so far as to sometimes mention that there is no such thing as a civilian. I think sometimes if we kind of read into the argument, sometimes it appears directly, sometimes indirectly, um, almost in a contradictory fashion, that on the one hand, it's not the intention, but on the other hand, if it happens, it's all right. And then finally, in terms of declared intention, um, it actually seems to be presented as if it is appropriate to kind of wipe out an entire people, whether it's through direct action or whether it's indirectly. But the point of the Genocide Convention and the point of these provisions that have been systematically laid out is to actually force us to categorically examine a claim like this and understand, separate what may be credible for the ways in which otherwise credible informational material is being used to justify the unjustifiable. All right. Uh, Kathy, very briefly for me, I've got to head to news. Is Israel going to have a, a difficult time making its case? Today, certainly, because it's got to prove not that it's not committing genocide, but that South Africa has not made a plausible case for all the requirements for provisional measures. <clears throat> and as um, South Africa pointed out yesterday, um, the ICJ has granted provisional measures in situations which were far less severe than what we're facing in Gaza. All right. We're going to have to leave it there for this morning. Let me thank all of our guests, Jonathan Turner, uh, Shamika Wijasundara and Professor Kathy Powell. It's time for your latest 11 o'clock news update.